Good morning, everybody. I am Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Good to be together this morning as a church family. Whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you at Lake Forest Davidson. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. How fun to be together as a church family live at 10 a.m. online and in the field. Fun to be together. Very fun to be together. And we all need to say thank you to the small army of people that allows us to do both right now. This is not easy at all. Uh, so I'm told. I don't understand anything about how it works. But there's a small army of people that makes this happen weekend and week out and as a couple weeks go by we'll understand some of what those roles are and ask some folks to jump in and be part of that small army so whether we're worshiping online or in the field we can continue to do both for a while to come so uh for some folks school just started for some folks school starts tomorrow for the college uh, classes start later in the week this seems just like a a, potent, a particularly uh, different and, and I think because of that difficult year for all the school stuff so I figured before the sermon we might just take a moment to pray pray for the uh, the kids and the teenagers uh, in our church family in our community pray for the college students our teachers our administrators our professors our parents pray pray for all matters involved so will you join me and let's just let's just take a moment to pray let's pray for this upcoming year Well, Lord, you are many things. You are slow to anger. You are abounding in love. You are for us, not against us. Lord, as we look to this upcoming school year, the one thing you are not is surprised. None of what we're going through catches you off guard. And in your infinite wisdom, you will somehow use all of this to be a redemptive part of our stories and the stories of our kids. And so, Lord, we do lift up the kids of our congregation and of our community, our teenagers as well. We, we pray for them in this time of uncertainty, uh, this time of learning. That's the wind against my mic in case you're worried. We, we pray that, that you will continue to enliven their minds and enliven their hearts so that they might come to love you with both. Lord, we pray for our college students and the students of all colleges, that they will grow in their faith, that their faith will become truly alive and be something they cannot keep to themselves. And we pray you would bless them in their studies as they prepare for this new or this direction in which you're calling them. Lord, we pray for our teachers, we pray for our administrators, we pray for our professors, that in the frustrations of having to do things differently, they would not lose sight of the joy of why they do this in the first place. And Lord, I thank you for those who pursue these professions as a real calling, as a vocation. I pray that sense would deepen within them during this upcoming year. Lord, we pray for our parents who have extra burdens put on them in this moment. And Lord, we pray for them, for me, for us, that you'll give us grace, with ourselves and with our kids and that you'll give us wisdom about when to push and when to say good enough 
Lord, we were reminded of the words of Jesus who says, Come to me, all of you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. So we make our prayer in the name of that Jesus who calls us to come and find rest in him. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you. Oh, wow. This is a windscreen in case I have to use it. Thank you, Matt. So let's continue our series of sermons uh, called Rebuilding. We'll start with this little story. In 1958, the Green Bay Packers, the football team, in 1958, the Green Bay Packers, of which there are a few people here who are fans, the Green Bay Packers were so bad they almost went out of business. The next year, 59, they hired a new coach named Vince Lombardi. Very good. Just come up and tell the story, Drew. That would be fine. The Packers have sold out every home game since then. In 1960, they barely lost the championship game. And so the next year, 61, the players are coming into the preseason thinking they've got the momentum in their favor. If only we can learn a few more strategies, if only we can learn a few more complex plays, we're going to win the championship. And in that year, their coach, Vince Lombardi, walked in the locker room, his first speech of the year, with a football in his hand, and he said quite famously, gentlemen, this is a football. In other words, we're not going to win by learning more and more and more and more. We're not going to learn by becoming more and more and more and more complex. We're going to go back to the basics. Because this really isn't that hard. Gentlemen, this is a football. What is hard is to overstate the disruption of these past five months. It is hard to overstate the disruption of these past five months. And it is hard to overstate the opportunity that we have as individuals, as God's people. As individuals, as God's people, to not have to go back to normal, whatever normal was. We can move forward into something better, something that's more like what God wants for us. You and I have an opportunity to rebuild as individuals, all of us together, to rebuild a more Jesus Christ-centered life. And so we're in this series of sermons called Rebuilding, based on the text in Nehemiah chapter 2, which says, They replied, Let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. The good work of turning a huge disruption into a huge opportunity. A huge opportunity to rebuild a more Jesus Christ-centered life. So what we're doing in this series is we're looking at accounts from the life of Jesus where Jesus encountered a person and helped them rebuild their lives into something new. Something more like what God wanted. All the encounters in our series are coming from the book of the Bible called John. So throughout this series, we're asking everybody at Lake Forest Davidson to read through the book of the Bible called John. How far are you, Daryl? Finished it. Okay, good job. An overachiever. I have not yet started. But this week, I'm going to read it in one sitting. I like reading books of the Bible in one sitting, but it's 21 chapters. So if you're not as far along as Daryl, it'll take you uh, three weeks to read the book of John if you read a chapter a day. Or you can, as you're exercising or driving to work, you can have your Bible app read it to you on the way. But we're asking everybody to, to walk through the book of the Bible called 
John to understand more of who Jesus is and more of who he is calling us to be. Our passage today is John chapter 4, verses 25 to 30 and 39 to 42, what Hollins read for us earlier. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context around this passage, and then we're going to walk through the passage. The context of the passage is that Jesus and his disciples are going through Samaria. And Jesus sits down at a well. It's actually a very famous well. It's the kind of place that would make you say, well, well, well. Jesus sends his disciples into town to buy some food. And Jesus is sitting here at the well, well, well. He's wiping the sweat off his forehead. It's the hottest part of the day. And a woman approaches him. Actually, a woman approaches the well. She wants to draw water out of the well. She is a Samaritan, and Jesus asks her for a drink. She looks at him surprised and says, now wait a minute, you're a Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman. It was not common in those days for men to address women, but it was even more uncommon for Jews and Samaritans to interact because there were ethnic hostilities between them. So she looks at him surprised and and says, you know, you're a Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman, why are you talking to me? This is a bit unorthodox. And honestly, how often does Jesus get to be a little bit unorthodox? Jesus tells her, why don't you ask me for something better than water out of this well? Because I can give you streams of life deep in your soul that will never run dry. The woman says, that sounds great. Turns out her soul was thirsty too. Jesus says, awesome. This is a very loose translation here. Jesus says, awesome, awesome. But it's making you uncomfortable that I'm talking to you. So why don't you go home and get your husband and bring him back, and then we'll continue our conversation. That's a little awkward, she says, because you see, I don't have a husband. And this is when the deep and compassionate eyes of Jesus lock in on her. And he says, yes, in fact, you've had five husbands. Now you're just sharing a bed with somebody. I'm not sure if the woman could see the compassion in Jesus' eyes because this is when her world started swirling. She felt exposed, deeply exposed. How did you know and why did you bring it up? Why did you remind me of the source of the deepest pain in my life and how thirsty I really am? And so she does what any reasonable person would do. She changes the subject. She pulls out her, I've always wanted to ask this question to a pastor question. Or in Jesus' case, a prophet. I always wanted to ask this question to a prophet. And Jesus actually answers her question. This is why you tell Jesus is a better person than than me. When I get those questions on planes, I'm like, "Can can I change seats? Jesus actually answers her question. But Jesus does it in a way that emphasizes God's character, that God is not as caught up on external things as you and I get caught up on. God is looking at the heart. And she replies, and this gets us to our passage that Holland's read, she replies to Jesus, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he's gonna, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. 
So this is like the climax of the conversation. She says, I've enjoyed speaking to you, Mr. Nice Prophet, who I met at this well. Well, well, well. I've enjoyed speaking to you. You've said a lot of interesting and some somewhat uh, uh, uncomfortable things. I'm going to wait for the Messiah to come and explain it all to me. Now, Messiah is a title. It's the same as Christ. Messiah and Christ are the same word. They mean the same thing. It's a title for God's promised deliverer. The Messiah, the Christ, is going to come and lead God's people back to God. So when Jesus is called Jesus Christ, that is a title. It is not Jesus' last name. It is a title. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, God's promised deliverer from throughout the ages. The Samaritan woman says, I don't totally know what to do with everything you've said to me, but I know the Messiah is going to come and make sense of it all. And this is when Jesus responds, his deep and compassionate eyes still locked in on her. And he says, your wait is over. I am the Messiah. And she sees the whole conversation in a new light. He says he's the Messiah? Of all the wells across all the centuries, I stumbled on the Messiah at my local well? That's crazy. Well, he does know me deeply. He has made some big promises. She, she starts to feel the emotion welling up inside of her. This makes no sense, and it makes all the sense in the world of all the centuries, of all the wells. And she is ready to say something to the Messiah at the height of this emotional and, and, and life-changing conversation. And then the camera cuts over here. Verse 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Have you ever seen someone trying to keep a straight face and they're failing miserably? That's sort of what happens here. The disciples wander back up and see that Jesus is speaking with this Samaritan woman. And they're all standing there having cut this beautiful scene short and trying their hardest to not let out a collective gasp. You may remember my introductory point that the longer you're around something, the more you can forget what's most important. The longer you're around something, you can get caught up in building complexity on top of complexity on top of complexity. And sometimes you need somebody to come brush it all away and say, gentlemen, this is a football. The same thing can happen with Jesus. This is what I see in the disciples. They come up and they are wanting to ask, but none of them do ask, why is this woman talking to Jesus? Why is Jesus talking with this woman? This is going to be really hard to explain. I can almost hear the rumors starting. What will be the optics of this? Jesus and some woman were talking at a well. Well, well, well. The disciples have been walking with Jesus for a while and here they are trying to protect Jesus from doing his mission. Reconciling God's children to their father, to our father who is in heaven. Now the truth is, reconciling hurting and lost people, spiritually lost people to God is messy work. 
Reconciling, hurting, and spiritually lost people to God is messy work, but it's the work that Jesus came to do. And yet the disciples are trying to save him from it. It kind of makes me wonder if he sent them into town to get food so he could actually do what he came to do instead of having to answer to them all the time. Verse 28 says that then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? So the woman at the well reads between the lines, realizes she needs to get out of there, and so she does. She leaves the well and goes back to town. But there's a clever little detail John puts in that I think is worth looking at. John tells us that she left her water jar when she went back into town. Why would he include that? I think to emphasize that she was no longer thirsty. That she came to the well to get some water. Jesus says, I will in fact satisfy your deeper thirst. I will give you streams of life deep in your soul that will never run dry and john includes a little detail here i think to to emphasize that she believes him that her encounter with jesus though interrupted satisfied her that that deep thirst in her soul has been quenched because she met jesus the messiah at the well and it assured her deeply that she is welcome in god's family and so she left her jar at the well 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 she goes into town she tells the people there come see a man who told me everything i ever did and the people are thinking everything how long did you talk to this guy that's a lot she interrupts their thoughts by saying could this be the messiah so she's asking questions and the disciples had questions in their head, though they didn't dare ask them out loud. What's interesting is that her questions are about who Jesus is. Why Jesus matters. The disciples are wanting to ask questions about, why is Jesus talking to this woman? If we're not careful over time, our Jesus questions that we care about may be less and less about what is most important. But this woman, her heart already turning towards Jesus, her heart already trusting that Jesus is the satisfaction her soul has longed for, that the God of all creation became a, a man, came to her local well so that she would not be alienated from God. It's crazy. And it's true. Her heart is already there and her brain is catching up. Could this be the Messiah? So verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So the disciples are still trying to figure out if Jesus should have been talking to this lady in the first place. And while they're doing that, people are actually putting their faith in Jesus because of the things she said about him. This passage is trying to highlight a contrast here. The disciples still can't figure out if Jesus should even have been talking to the woman at the well, but because of what the woman in the well said to others, people are putting their faith in Jesus. Now let's recap. How much extensive theological training did the woman at the well have? 
How many books on Christian theology had she read? None, right? Nil. How many times had she and Jesus studied the Bible together? Nil. How much money had she given to support Jesus' ministry? Nil. Nil, nil, nil. And the truth is, those are all good things, and those are all things that we encourage. But this woman uh, has absolutely no training, but her heart has been wrapped around the whole Jesus thing. Her head is still catching up. Her brain is still catching up. Could this be the Messiah? But her heart is wrapped around the whole Jesus thing. And she's running laps around Jesus' official disciples who have walked with him day after day after day after day. And they need to go back to the basics. Disciples, this is the good news that even in your failures, God does not fail. That God is near, even as you and I try to distance ourselves. That God loves you, even though you and I are in some ways unlovable. And Jesus Christ, at great cost to himself, will break every boundary and bridge every gap so that you and I can be reconciled to God. The woman at the well is sharing the good news of Jesus with one more person, with one more person, and with one more person. And it's not a sales pitch to her. It's genuine. Like when you find a product that makes your life easier, or you find a politician that you believe in, or you find a place that brings you joy, you talk to people about it. That's what this woman has found in Jesus. Years ago, we used to ask people how they came to Lake Forest Davidson. We stopped because it got repetitive. Third place, internet search. Second place, met the pastor at Taco Bell. First place, first place, friend or family invited me. Friends inviting friends, inviting friends. Jesus and God's kingdom spread through word of mouth. The Messiah deeply satisfies the thirst in our souls, and we can't keep that to ourselves. And what the woman said to the people in town is sort of the thing I want to end with. She said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. In other words, Jesus knows me fully and does not reject me. Jesus knows me fully and does not reject me. There is a difference between being exposed and being fully known. There is a difference between being exposed and being fully known. And the difference is shame. The difference is rejection. And so I imagine that when Jesus makes the husband comment, the woman felt exposed. But the longer she sat with Jesus, the more she realized the shame never came. The rejection never came. And she realized that she wasn't exposed. She was known. She was fully known. Jesus knows you fully. And he does not reject you. Jesus knows me fully. And he does not reject me. God knows who you are. And God seeks you out. In this field... Wherever you are worshiping online in your home or otherwise at the beach, 
Wherever you are, Jesus wants to, you to know that you don't have to live alienated from God. You are welcome to join God's family, to be eternally reconciled to God and to do that in Jesus' name. That in the presence of Jesus, you and I can be both uncomfortable and yet so comforted. How is that possible? Come see a man. Come see Jesus who knows you fully and does not reject you. And I'll take it a step further. Something else to love about Jesus. That every follower of Jesus can contribute to God's kingdom now. As a follower of Jesus, or if you ever become a follower of Jesus, even if every door is not open to you, if you become a follower of Jesus today, may not, we may not ask you to preach next Sunday, but that's okay. We, got some jobs. we do have plenty of jobs, don't worry. <laughs> Just because every door is not open to you, there is some door that is open to you. You can join in the work of Jesus now you can contribute to god's kingdom now you can be a messenger of jesus reconciliation now you can be a minister to the people you know now you can be a minister to the needs that you see now 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 and if you feel unqualified you get it welcome to the club you are unqualified I'm unqualified. The woman at the well was not qualified. How can any of us be qualified to speak about Jesus? How can any of us be qualified to serve people in the name of Jesus? It's only by his grace that we can. Jesus is not assembling a group of experts. He's calling together a ragtag band of misfits. Unqualified, imperfect, Half the time we're not even willing. We've got a lot of growing to do. And yet, he calls us back to the simple, beautiful message. Disciples, this is the good news. And there's a lot to learn, and there's some wonderful complexities out there, but don't lose sight of the fact, this is the good news. Sometimes people newer in their faith have not lost sight of that in all the complexities. And so a woman at a well who is just beginning to have her heart turned towards Jesus, her mind is still catching up. She gets it in a way that his established disciples did not quite yet get it. Or they had forgotten. And so verse 40 says, when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. Jesus stayed two days. Because of his words, many more became believers. He said to the woman... We, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And all of this because of the woman at the well who I would like to nominate to be the patron saint of the unqualified. Who says, come see a man. Come see this man. Come see Jesus who knows you fully and does not reject you. Could that be the very heart of God on display, who knows you fully and does not reject you? Is he God's promised Messiah? Is he sent to earth on a rescue mission? 
to call God's family together and get us safely home. Come see a man. So let me ask you to think about this question as I wrap up. The question is, what opportunity might you have this week to contribute to God's kingdom? What opportunity might you have this week to contribute to God's kingdom? To let your words and actions say, come see a man. You're invited to join in God's work now of loving people, of serving people, of inviting people to walk and grow alongside you, of pointing people to hope, a hope bigger than anything we can find within ourselves. There's always room for you in God's family. Jesus has seen to that. And he invites you to be fully known and not rejected and to come to him. To follow him on earth, to follow him into eternity, to be transformed. There are a lot of beautiful and wonderful things to learn out in this world. Many beautiful and wonderful things to learn about the Christian faith, about Jesus. But let's not stack too many complexities on top of complexities on top of complexities and forget. Disciples, or if one day you become a disciple, this is the good news. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God. about whatever it is he's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take a quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you that what this woman at the well learned, each of us can learn or be reminded of today, that Jesus knows us fully and does not reject us. In fact, against all odds, he speaks to us, reaches out to us, and invites us to leave behind our water jars to find our deep soul thirst satisfied and to be given a transformed purpose in life, a purpose bigger than ourselves, a purpose of pointing people towards hope. So Lord, I thank you for those in our church family who are young in their faith, new in their faith, Lord, I pray that they would not be intimidated to start serving you now, but that they would rely on your grace at every step of the way. Lord, I thank you for those in our church family who are more established in their faith. I pray that they would not lose sight of the simple message that first drew them to you. 
And Lord, I thank you for those in our church family who are still considering faith. Deciding if this is the way to go. Lord, I pray that they would see in your deep and compassionate eyes a love, a grace, a truth deeper than anything they've ever found in this world. That they'll be drawn in and choose to live as if that you are the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We've heard other people talk about it, but now we've seen it for ourselves. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Well, traditionally, this is when we take the offering, but you can't much uh, do that right now. So if you do have uh, prayer requests, you can always submit those online at prayer, Davidson Prayer at lakeforest.org. You can give financial gifts online at lakeforest.org slash give. For those in the field, we do have a wicker basket on your way out as you exit to the left of the barn where you can put your prayer requests and any gifts you're able to give at this time. But we love you guys. Let's worship together.